You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. All right, my friends. Well, let's get into the word this morning. Unshakable joy is the theme, a theme that we came up with here on earth, but it was something that was spoken from heaven first. And, and I believe that this season, this next season, is going to be a season of restored joy. And if you need to, to grab that word today, you go ahead and just grab it, because that's what's going to happen. And you'll find throughout history, and definitely biblical history, that after great times of chaos and tension and warfare, there was always a season where God fast-tracked and accelerated the rebuilding of broken things. And maybe you're here today and this past season did represent some loss and some brokenness and some warfare and you feel like your joy tank has been leaking. Well, you're in the right place at the right time because God's gonna fill you afresh with unshakable joy today. So I wanna share with you from a, a wonderful character in the Bible by the name of Nehemiah. He was one of the church builders. His book is found between Ezra and Esther. And these three characters were really uh, profoundly involved. God used them mightily in seasons of great destruction to rebuild the, the Jewish people. Now, I'm not so much talking about Jerusalem today as I am talking about you. So whenever you hear Jerusalem, think about you, okay? Because God's gonna do some rebuilding works amongst the people in this building today. But Nehemiah, he, he was living in Babylon, but he was a devout Jewish man, and he was the king's wine taster. Now, being a wine taster back in those days was not being a sommelier. You didn't get to go down to the fancy wine cellar and pick out a vintage and swirl it and sniff it and look at it and then tell the king which wine would go best with his filet mignon. Okay, the, the wine taster in those days, that was a job of danger. You took on that job because you tasted the wine before the king did in case it was poisoned. Now, I'm against animal testing, but if this was my job back in that day, I would have definitely been testing out the pet bunny before, hey, how do you like this? And if he was still hopping and twitching his nose after a couple of hours, I'd be taking it to the king. So, so Nehemiah knew what it was to live dangerously. He was in a perverse worldly kingdom, serving an unstable king who knew his life could be taken away from him at any given moment. He lived dangerously and then God tapped him on the shoulder and said, Nehemiah, you're a devout Jew, even though you've never lived in Jerusalem, I'm gonna use you to rebuild what the enemy has destroyed. And so then he went on a mission and he had to gather together all the Jewish people and the Jewish nobles and they met together a ragtag bunch of people. The Bible says that they were distressed uh, that the gates had been burned with fire and the walls had been destroyed. They were open slather for the enemy. They were a completely destroyed and decimated people. So you're not just dealing with the rebuilding of a physical place, but, but the identity of a group of people. And the Bible says that, that the fight was so fierce and the warfare was so tough. And I know some of you know what that's like because you've lived quite a life these last two years, that they were working with trowels 
and hammers with one hand while they held a sword in the other. How many people know what it's like to have to fight and work at the same time? The last two years have kind of been like that, where we've had to work to put bread on the table and then fight the government at the same time so we can work to put bread on the table. And so that's kind of like what was happening with the Jewish people. So from this story, that, that nothing about it really sparks joy. Sounds exhausting, sounds wearying, sounds confusing, and yet, in the midst of this book, the book of Nehemiah, you're going to find one of the most profound scriptures on joy that you'll ever read. Somebody flip to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Sounds like a party to me. <laughs> and send some to those who have nothing prepared. I mean, isn't this amazing? There's, there's generosity in the midst of, of great work and warfare and exhaustion. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How, how do you live a life of joy and say what he just said, knowing that the climate he lived in was like I just described? And I would say to you today, it's because joy is actually nothing like happiness. And, and we, I think we do people a disservice when we try to compare joy and happiness together because they are nothing alike. Happiness is circumstantial. It, it is determined by what happens. It comes and it goes. But, but joy is, fair we- is not fair weather. It is weatherproof. Joy is robust. Joy is strong. Joy is such a deep well of an understanding of God's goodness and the fact that we can hope in Him that no matter what the season, no matter what you're going through, this joy still dwells richly within. So right now, I'm going to give you four points taken from the story of Nehemiah on what it looks like to live with unshakable joy. All right, so I want you to grab your your notepads or your phones And I want you to write this down because I really believe that God is going to have you do some homework this week. So so what we do in church on a Sunday is we bring a word. I want you to fall in love with the Bible because the Bible will change your life. The Bible has changed my life. I love the Word of God. But but what happens here on a Sunday is just meant to be the appetizer, not not the entree. That's that's for you and Jesus to, to work out together. But I'm going to bring four points from the story of Nehemiah to find out how you and I can live with unshakable joy. The first one is this, engage with your purpose. Let me break that down for you. Nehemiah 1, 1 to 4 says this, It came to pass in the month of Shizlev in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews, the people from the old country who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was, Nehemiah said, when I heard these words, 
that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days over what I was hearing. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Right here we see the people of Judah come and they give a report to Nehemiah and then we never hear about those particular people again. But what they shared stayed with Nehemiah. How many of you here today will have people say something to you and they'll say it just like they're, they're passing on information, but it just rocks you to your core and you're forever changed and, and you, you, you can't bear to know that information or hear that news and not do something about it. That, my friends, is the place of your purpose. What you cannot stand to hear What you cannot stand to see happen is the place of your purpose. And some of us in this building today, it's not that we're depressed. It's just that we're disengaged from the God purpose for our lives. And when you find your God purpose, you find your joy. So so how did the epicness of Twisted come to be? The fact that we heard news that was agitating, like, is there an excellent Christmas production in the entire universe that a church has put on? No. For some people, it'd just be like, well, Christmas productions at churches are just lame. They get the kids out. They get a horse, dress him up as a camel. A couple of wise men, you know, they just roll up a towel, put it on the kid's head. And some person that doesn't know the Bible comes out and speaks reams of it so much that you're falling asleep like that was most people's experiences of Christmas productions, but it was an agitation to Jürgen and I. We're not doing lame Christmas because this is the greatest story ever told. It needs to be the greatest story being told. So thus, Awakened Theatre was born and Christian became every character known to man. (laughs) What agitates you? You've been pushing it down thinking I shouldn't be so negative. No, God is going to use it as a springboard for your destiny. To make things better than they've been, to rebuild what is broken. When we moved to to, uh, San Diego 16 years ago, Cherish Women's Ministry was born out of an agitation. When, When I looked around and I saw women sitting dormant in church being told that they should be seen and not heard, and, and how many people know what happens when a woman is seen or not heard? She gets louder and more extra. <laughs> and becomes inappropriate. Like, and I, and I saw this and it was an agitation. It was a stone in my shoe. God, thank you. I'm going to do something about this. Cherish women's ministry. Empowering women to be everything that God has divinely designed them to be. What agitates you today? Many people want to talk about it like the men from Judah. They'll just rock up and drop a bomb and then walk out. But who's going to make it their responsibility? It can be agitating sometimes, even as a pastor, to hear people come up and go, you know what the church should do? And And I get it. And some people say it with the best of intentions. However, you're the church. We are the church. What has God put in your heart? What agitates you? Because that's the very thing in you that's going to create the pearl. And it agitated Nehemiah to hear about his homeland. So he got up. He didn't just pipe off about it on Instagram. 
He got up and he did something about it. Engage with your God purpose and you will find that joy restored. Emerge Men's Ministry was birthed out of an agitation. Jürgen's like, well, I guess I I need to start a men's ministry. He didn't know what it was going to look like. So the first couple of years, the men's ministry looked kind of like the women's ministry. (laughs) I'm being honest. Men sitting looking sad and depressed (laughs) in a conference, hearing about how terrible they were and how you shouldn't like this and you shouldn't do that. And, and, And they try to make up for it by putting a muscle car on the stage. I'm sorry, that, that does nothing for me. <laughs> the poor men. Hey, don't look at how lame this is. Just look at the muscle car on the stage. And it, and it was an agitation in the heart of my husband. Like, hearing this, seeing this agitates me. I don't want docile men who are sitting there looking depressed and sad, having a, you know, look at the shiny muscle car. I'm going to create a merge ranch where we can get the men out back to nature and they can do the things that men love to do together. So what agitates you? That's your homework when you go home. Have your time with the Lord and just say, what is it, Father? What do I need to engage with that you have tapped me like Nehemiah was tapped to rebuild? Amen, Leanne. Amen. It didn't mean that life was going to be easy for Nehemiah. It it cost him a lot to be obedient to the Lord's leading. And I'm certain there were times within that where he wasn't happy, but he had a deep joy because he was fulfilling his purpose. During 2020 and 2021, when there was a mass exodus from California, I'm telling you, we had some rough days, but I never lost my joy because I knew I was engaging with my purpose. As people were getting their U-Hauls and fleeing out of the state, Pastor Jürgen and I were like, nope, it's for this very reason that the Lord has sent us to rebuild that which was broken, to stand for a state that is being ravaged by wicked men. We're gonna, not going to stand it. It agitates it, us, and we're not going to make it somebody else's problem. It's become our mission, our ins- assignment. We're going to engage with our purpose. You can do. You can too. Joy is so much grander than happiness. Right, point number two. Joy is not denial. Look at this. And this is important for us to qualify in a faith church where, you know, we're we're bright, jolly bunch, and we should be. But, but it's important for me to say it is okay for you to have a bad day and show emotion, and that's not not faith. Look at this. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was bought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? And this was an accusation because nobody just turned up in front of the king with with anything but a smile and a pretense because they were stressed, they were busy, they couldn't handle any emotion around them unless it was positive. 
What is your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart and I don't allow it. It's in the contract. And Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid with good reason because this was an unstable king after all. But I said to the king, I love this because now he's honest. I'm not going to flip and pretend. And some of you guys need to, to wake up and say, I'm not going to pretend. I'm going to be honest before the king, and you'll find that your joy will be restored to you. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever, which tells me he's nuanced. He was a smart man. He wasn't an idiot. He knew how to butter the bread. But then he went on to say, why should my face not look sad? Of course I'm sad, king. My city, where my ancestors are buried, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Of course I'm sad. God made you a joyous creature. In your natural state, you have deep rivers of joy. You're a joyous creature. Uh, But I want you to understand this today. I want you to look at me, and I, I truly mean it. Joy and sadness can exist at the same time. Unlike happiness, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is the dominant force, joy can exist in every season. And in fact, if we neglect the season when we are meant to process with the king rightly, pour out our complaint to him, and do what the Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you, you become numb. A numb pretend Christian, a phony, a fake. And if you don't process emotion rightly, you'll have to become a pretender. I I don't want to pretend. And many people, sadly, in too many churches around America walk in and they act right, but they aren't right. And it's time for us to shift that. And that means that you're going to have to allow yourself to process grief and sadness and loss. And this season has, has carried so much of that. And we don't want you to just have to come in and put on a happy face. We want you to have genuine joy in your life. And that means being like Nehemiah was here, as much king as you want me to pretend... And busy, stressed people often need everybody around them to be happy all the time because they can't handle one more thing. Well, you deal with your issues and let me deal with mine. I'm entitled to have a sad day. I'm entitled to have a flippin' moment where I lament the fact that the place of my ancestors, the place of my heritage has been burned with fire and the people are distressed and in reproach and I'm not going to pretend. But just like Nehemiah went to the corrupted king, what do we do? We go to the incorrupted king. Father, I'm sad. Minister to me. Doesn't mean you don't have joy. Look at me today. God gave you tear ducts for a reason. Emotion is not weakness. And certainly we've seen emotion uh, in excess. I I understand that. And there are some people that are, are emotionally like, They have emotional diarrhea. Sorry, that's a terrible analogy. I couldn't think of another word. I'm sorry. Emotionally incontinent. How's that? Better? It's probably getting worse. I I get it. So I'm not saying let's all have a cry fest. But some of you don't. And you're numb. And you think it pleases God. 
and it's fake and it's phony. Stop it. Now, now is there a venue and not a venue for, for you to express that? 100%. Be wise with it. But, but get it out. You have tear ducts because things are going to happen on this side of eternity that want to make you cry, cry. What does Ecclesiastes tell us? There is a time for laughter and a time for tears. There is a time for dancing and a time for mourning. It's okay. Can we give you permission in our season of joy restoration to actually have a moment with God where you get honest about the things you lost and how it hurt you? And I, and I think uh, if I was honest with you about how I've been able to stay in joy, and honestly, Pastor Jürgen and I have been through a bunch of things, and any of you who, who know our story know this to be true, but I've never lost my joy. And, I th- and I've had sad days, and I've been unhappy, but I've never lost my joy. And the reason is this, because I come to the Lord and I, and I let Him assess my soul. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be numb. I, I've got to minister to people. I have to be able to read and minister to you. How can I read and minister to you if I won't let the Lord minister to me? And the Bible says this, and I want you to hear this today because this is a very true picture. He says, I want to give you beauty for ashes, but you've got to relinquish those flipping ashes. You've got bags of those things centuries old. You're covered in that stuff. You look like a chimney sweep. You got so much ash. And God's desperate to give you beauty in exchange for all those ashes, but you won't give it because you think it's weakness. It's not weakness. It's the greatest sign of strength. Think about King David in the book of Psalms. My gosh. Every inch a man, he took down a lion and a bear. He would have been the king of a merge. And yet when you read his journey, journal entry, and that's what it is, when you read the Psalms, you're, we're, we're getting a glimpse into the journal of, of a man. And boy, was he a masterclass on expressing your emotions. <laughs> I wish I'd never been born. This is the worst day ever. Like all that stuff's in there. But then inevitably at the end of every Psalm, but my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. He is the lifter of my countenance and my God. Some of you, your joy will be restored and your countenance will be lifted and you won't have to fake it till you make it anymore. If you come to the Lord and you pour out your complaint before Him, which is just what Nehemiah did, and everything shifted from that point. And at that point, the corrupted king said, oh, well, thanks for telling me. I think instead of killing you, I'm going to help you. What can I do for you? And then Nehemiah steps up. He's like, the king's asking me what I want. I'm going to tell him. And then he asked for like everything. The brother like literally is like raiding the treasury at that point. Well, I need lumber and I need workers and I need you to get the foresters to sign this little letter for me. He's just going for it. So when you process your emotion rightly with the Lord, you'll find that after that provision will come, Joy will be restored and you'll be a healthy human. Joy joy is not denial. Make no mistake. And it's important for us to preface that in a church like this. We are a faith church. We're going to put joy in you every time you come in. However, part of that is you getting in touch with the Holy Spirit and processing 
your sad days with the Lord. Cry it out, my friends. I'll drink to that. All right, point number three. We've got to learn how to talk back to the enemy in secret. Let me unpackage this. I know it doesn't make sense yet, but it will. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 19 to 20, this is what happens. So Nehemiah has gone about, he's got the provisions from the king, he's been given a pass, he's been given some time off to go rebuild his homeland. And in the process, three enemies continually put their heads up, stick their heads up during this whole journey and try to intimidate and mock and put fear and discourage the, Jew, the Jewish people and Nehemiah as they re- rebuilt. Look at this. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and they despised us as we were rebuilding. And they said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them. Somebody say answered them. And I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage, devil, or right or memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, devil, get off my life. I am not listening to you. Now, why is this the enemy in secret? Well, the name Sanballat in this story actually means the enemy in secret. Every single one of us will have to battle a secret enemy that pipes off and tells us that we're never going to make it, that we're hopeless, that he knows what we did last summer and he's going to keep bringing it up and regurgitating it every time you give him an ear. It's that enemy in secret. Oftentimes it's not as much the forces, the natural forces around us, but the unseen ones. When you go to bed and what keeps you up at night is the narrative of Sanballat, the secret enemy, telling you everything you're not and trying to discourage you. And here's the truth about it. The devil and Sanballat in this story had no authority to stop the work, but he knew he could, if he discouraged Nehemiah enough, he could get Nehemiah to stop. But what I love about this story is the Bible doesn't say that Nehemiah just just ignored them. It says that Nehemiah answered them back. And he didn't answer them back with, hey, shut up, devil, I got this. He said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. So when when the enemy in secret comes, just like he did in this story, for time I won't share this particular scripture, but Sanballat came back to Nehemiah and the Jewish people again and said, oh my gosh, look at you, you don't have the tools to do this. Oh my gosh, you're trying to rebuild it in a day? Oh my gosh, if a fox stood on this wall, it would fall down. It's so weak and pathetic. You know what? Everything Sanballat, the enemy in secret said, had a skerrick of truth to it. It had a skerrick of truth, and that's how the enemy works. He will use enough truth to get you to consume the whole lie. But here's the greater truth. The God of heaven will prosper you. It's not in your strength. It's not about your worthiness or your righteousness, but what about God has done? If he promised, he's going to bring you through. So when the enemy in secret speaks, 
Don't ignore him. Speak back to him with God's words. Yes, just like Sanballat and the devil has a plan for you, God has greater plans. In Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Whose words are you going to amen? Are you going to amen and give authority and power to the devil's words? Or are you going to amen the word of God? Hey, you may have an ounce of truth about my past, but that's my past. And I know my future. God's got it securely in his hands. I'm not listening to the devil. I'm going to speak back and remind him of what God has said about me and my future. I mean, this was everything for me. This was a game changer for me. So when the enemy, the, the enemy in secret came to me, he, he would mock me constantly, especially as I stepped into this role as, as a leader in the church alongside Pastor Jurgen. And he would constantly pipe off the enemy in secret. Leanne, you, what are you doing? You know, you don't even have a, a college education. You left school in the 10th grade. You don't even know which one is greater than and less than. You have to really think about it when you're turning right or left. Which hand do I write with? Ah. Like this is, and he would pipe off, and there was a skerrick of truth to it. I, I didn't go to college. I did leave school in the 10th grade. And if I let it stay there, I wouldn't be standing here today. I, I had to speak back. You've got to speak back and talk back to the enemy in secret. How did, how did King David feat, defeat Goliath? He was unbelievably outmatched in the natural. And when Goliath said, oh, you come to me with, with, a, with a dog, like, what are you guys doing? I, I'm a champion. I'm the champion of Gath. And you're coming at me with a boy. This is a joke. And he laughed and he laughed. Now, King David didn't go, mm, he's right. I'm running back to the camp. King David pointed his finger back and said, I stand here in the strength of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, I come at you. And you're not going to take my head from my shoulders today. I'm going to take your head from your shoulders today because you have defied the army of the living God. So I want you to understand today, it's not enough to ignore the devil. You've got to talk back to him. And in talking back to him, you remind yourself. Learn how to talk back to that enemy in secret. And your joy will be restored. Finally, remember the Lord great and awesome. I love that point. Nehemiah 4, 10 to 14. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is falling. So they're at a point in the rebuilding process right now where the, the strength that people are getting weary as they're going about the rebuilding. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the walls. So many problems, so many issues. And our adversaries said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So the enemy was looking to make a sneak attack because there was so much debris lying around they could sneak in without being detected. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, now this is Nehemiah speaking, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall 
at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So they were in a moment where they were surrounded by the enemy. The people were getting weary. And this is where Nehemiah stood up and he was a leader who knew how to lead. And he got the people to turn their eyes from all the problems and have them look and gaze upon God and His promises about their future. Can I speak to to the husbands in this room today? If you want joy to be restored to your household then you've got to help your family remember the Lord, great and awesome. And, and you know, you're, you're rolling that onto your wife and you're saying the house is in chaos, the house is in chaos because she's this and she's that. And that. What have you set the dialogue in your home? Have you encouraged and led your family to remember the Lord, great and awesome? Because when my son went and battled 10 years of addiction. You you better believe it. I was kind of like these Jews in this story here who were saying we're surrounded and the enemy's gonna overtake us and it felt hopeless. But for the fact that I had a husband like Nehemiah who said, come on baby, God's got this. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And, And this is what I know to be true. You cannot not have joy if you know what God's promises are. And, and it encouraged me as a wife to dig into the Bible and read scriptures like the one that I found in the book of Isaiah. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. And joy started to return because instead of seeing the rubbish and the enemy and being confounded by the trials of life, I had a Nehemiah in my household who said to his wife in her downtrodden, depressed, hopeless state, remember the Lord, great and awesome. And that's what the people did. And they rose and they rebuilt the areas of brokenness. Your joy can be restored. And I know some of you today, you feel like Jerusalem felt. The cities were burned with fire. The walls were destroyed. The gates were burned. You know what happens when walls are taken down and gates are burned? The, the, the enemy can infiltrate And I wonder what's been able to sneak into your life because your walls have been broken down because you've come out of a season of destruction. It's time to rebuild the wall. And I truly believe under the Spirit of the Lord today that just like God did an accelerated work for the Jewish people in 52 days, God got a group of non-builders, non-architects, not really fit for the task, and they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and repaired the gates. True for them, true for now. But will you entrust God with the work? Will you look to Him? Will you remember the Lord great and awesome? And I don't want to diminish what you're facing right now. I know there are some significant sized issues today, and maybe in your heart, uh, even as I'm speaking, doubt is creeping in. And Sam Bilet is piping off. Don't even bother. Why would you? It's too far gone. You can't. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Jump into your Bible. 
There is a story that will put faith in you for whatever you're facing today. When I was walking through that season with my son and I couldn't see clearly, I thank God for a Nehemiah-like husband, but it encouraged me to get into the Word of God for myself. And God directed me to Psalm 1, and He said, this is the scripture I'm going to get you to use as a tool to rebuild the brokenness of your son's life. Instead of confessing what you see with your natural eye, enemies from one end to the other, surrounded rubbish everywhere, I want you to confess what I see. Your son will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. He will bring forth his fruit in season and everything he does will prosper. Unshakable joy. We have joy in God's promises. Oh, you, happiness. Happiness will chase you out of things that God's called you into, but do you want joy? Oh, I'm chasing happiness. Good luck. It's like a dog chasing his flipping tail. Don't do it. Rise and build. Engage with your God destiny. Understand that when we process emotion rightly, joy is not denial. Joy can exist with with every other feeling and still be joy because Jesus is on the inside of you. And you talk back to that devil in secret. You serve him notice because Jesus already did. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he, he nailed every infraction toward us on that cross as a sign and a testimony to the enemy you have lost. And then he did a celebration, a triumph tour after that, shaming the devil. Why are you listening to someone who the Bible calls a father of lies when you have a book of truth? You have a book of truth right here. You've been believing lies. Stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. And remember the Lord, great and awesome. Just like the Jews rebuilt Jerusalem, God is going to make it so your areas of brokenness are rebuilt too. And your joy, unshakable joy, will be restored. Why don't we close our eyes for a second as we come to a close. I know I've been speaking to people today and you've been wearied. You've been like those Jewish people, feeling surrounded, feeling defeated, feeling like it's never going to happen, it's never going to work. And the devil has been having a field day. Well, everything's about to shift and everything's about to change. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand and just acknowledge to heaven today I I want things to shift and change. I want that unshakable joy. This season has been hard. And somewhere amongst the points that I've shared, you've located yourself in one of them. Well, you're going to be able to go home and process some things with God, and that's beautiful. So just leave those hands up. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you right now for all of these precious lives and souls that you love. And Father, I thank you that you are a restorer. You are a redeemer. You are a rebuilder and you are at work in these people's lives today. Father, you see each of their stories. God, you you know them inside out. And Father, I thank you that in this next season, a season of rebuilding and restoration, that you would so show them that on the inside of them is an unshakable joy that is weatherproof. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. I declare your lies, the power of your lies are broken off their life today. I speak life 
life, 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 hope, joy over them in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.